anyways, we want to welcome you to Access. Mary, did you bring her? Yes, way to go, Mary. We love Mary. Um, how did you hear about Access? Sweet. Coworkers inviting people to church. What are you guys doing? You guys inviting people to church? <laughs> hey, uh, so I know a lot of you are kind of probably confused and um, why we have tables and why am I standing in the middle? Why am I not on stage? It's okay. It's all planned. Um, uh, before I get, we get started, I want to kind of share with you kind of some, you could say some changes that are going to be made here at Access, um, kind of moving forward um, the next few months here. And so um, to start off, we have tables. And each table, um, we just have one or two table leaders. And what these people, what their job is or what their role is, is just to be a consistent face at each table. And so if you're a table leader, Christian, I don't know what's going on with this man. Um, he's really, you can join a different table if you want. Too late. You're just going to stand there. Austin's going to help him out. Oh, so nice of you. So um, if you're a table leader, would you just like raise your hand? So we have table leaders, hopefully one at, at least one at each table. And um, what they're going to be doing is just going to be a consistent face. And so the reason why we're moving to tables, the reason why we're moving from um, the congregational or the, the, the theater seating, the reason why we're doing that is because we believe tables is actually going to give us a better opportunity to connect relationally. So in, instead of you coming to access, showing up maybe five minutes late, because I know you all do, because there was not this many people here when we started, I promise you. And um, so when you show up and then you come into service and then we go a little bit late, or maybe we go and you have to leave right away, you don't even connect with anyone. And so what this is gonna do is it's gonna allow us to actually connect with people um, at access more effectively and more consistently. And what it's going to do is allow us to actually build relationships and it's going to allow us to actually push people into connecting with others because we all know that the Christian life, man, it's never supposed to be done alone. And it's not about just coming to church and hearing the word. It's about, it's about coming to church, worshiping, hearing the word, but also connecting with fellow believers. It's one of the, it's one of the necessities as being a follower of Jesus is connecting with other followers. And so with, the, with this new focus that we're having, um, we don't have it all figured out. Like, I didn't even know when I was walking up, I was like, shoot, like, I don't think I'm gonna bring my stand over here. So I was like, Tara, can I have your, can I have your stand? So we're working it out, and, but we really think it's gonna be effective in, in, in connecting relationally and connecting and moving forward with access. Sound good? Woo! Boy, that's not all. Um, <laughs> Sherry's laughing. Um, Austin's got the joy of the Lord. And the cool thing about this is it allows you to get food and then eat it at the tables. And you could also take notes. Right on. I see you, Johnny. Um, so part of this, part of what we're doing, it's connecting relationally, but what, the, what, what I think is going to tie it all together, it's going to be the final knot in the bow, is what, what I call activation. So as, as followers of Jesus, Jesus was very clear in his last words to his disciples. He was very clear with what he wanted his disciples to do. He was very specific and it wasn't a request, it was a command or it was a commission. And what he told them was to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, to do a bunch of other things, lay their hands on the sick, cast out demons, 
this was his commission to the disciples. And then later on it says, and tell everyone else that you come in contact with, they have the same commission. So that's our commission too, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But how many, how many of us know that there are people within our city, within the city of Granville, within a one block radius, because we have the mall here, that might not know the gospel, might not know Jesus Christ. And what I think... And what we're going to be doing here at Access is we're taking an opportunity. And if you remember our three E's, we did a series of uh, uh, months and months ago about our, uh, about our mission and, and kind of our mission statement here at Access. It's, it's encounter. Our first value is enc- an encounter with God and that we believe that each person, we want to create an atmosphere where people can encounter the living God through worship, through miracles, and through a bunch of other things. And our second E is engage, which is engage with community, engage with, with fellow believers, engage with... Um, a true community where we're actually building and growing together. And the last E is equip. So equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ministry is not actually supposed to be done by pastors. The pastors or the people who are working in the church, their job is to equip the people to go into the world, to go to their jobs, to their families, to their neighborhoods, and be the ministers. And so, but Here's an issue that I had. So I've been, I've been at Access for one year as pastor. Not quite, well, a little, just right around a year. And so we came up with this mission statement of, yeah, we're going to equip people. We're going to equip people. We're going to equip people. And then I sat back. This was about three months. This is three months in the, in the making or maybe four months in the making. Um, and I sat back and I thought, what are we actually doing to equip you guys? What are we actually doing to to walk alongside of you and show you what it means to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I'm not saying that we've done a poor job, but I'm saying I don't think we've stepped into the complete and full work that God has called us to do. And so as I was sitting there thinking, I thought, well, yeah, let's do a conference. (laughs) So we had the Encounter Conference, right? Who went to the Encounter Conference? It was awesome. So many testimonies, um, so many cool stories, so much breakthrough in, in individuals' lives. I was talking to someone um, today before service, and, and she was just saying, man, like I've never heard the voice of God like that. And I was challenged and stretched so much. So we planned the encounter conference shortly after I had that realization. But then a week later, I was kind of in my thinking about access and thinking about the, the, the direction that we're moving in. And <laughs> this thought came to my mind. Why do we have to have a separate event to equip people to be ministers of the gospel? Why do we have to create a Saturday event and make people come a separate time to actually do the work? How about instead of having church, we actually go and be the church? And so this activation is going to be incorporated in the movement in the direction that we're moving in. And so what that's going to look like, one time, one week, one Thursday each month, instead of having service, we're going to be breaking up into groups of three to five. And so our, our, we, have, we have a bunch of leaders who are going to be leading those groups. And what you're going to be doing, what we're going to be doing, is we're going to be going, breaking into groups. We're going to, get, we're going to come, we're going to worship. The Thursday night, we're going to come, we're going to worship. We're going to break up into our groups of three to five. You're going to pray together with your group, and you're going to ask God, say, God, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go? And the person who's leading your group, you guys are going to go, get in your cars, and you're going to go wherever God tells you to go. 
And I know some of you are really excited. There's a lot of people who are like, their eyes are getting big. They're like, uh, I don't even like talking to my, to my family, let alone, we're, here's the deal. If we never go out, outside of our comfort zone, we'll never grow. And this is why I love United. Deontay's over here. Virgil's over here. We have a whole group called United. And they go outside on Tuesday nights. They go out in downtown Grand Rapids and they, and they just serve the homeless community and they serve people in Grand Rapids. They serve different churches and ministries. And what they're actually doing is, is there's so many people. Raise your hand if you're not Deontay or Virgil. If you've benefited and grown in how to share the gospel from going to United. We have so many people who've gone to United, who are being equipped. And I'm not trying to take away. I'm saying we want to partner with the things that they're doing. And we want to take it and grow it even more. Because sometimes we have to step outside of ourselves in order to become who God created us to be. Because we put limitations on our own self. And part of that, so what do I encourage us to do is in, instead, of lay, instead of throwing it off and saying, okay, I'm, not, I'm just not going to come on those nights. I'll come where we can talk and eat chicken. And you guys hear about the fry thing that's going on tonight? So they're doing a fry. Okay, you're going to have to help me out maybe. We're doing a fry special where we're uh, sampling four different types of fries tonight. That, and the winner, so you're going to vote on the fries. And the winner is going to be the new fry in the menu. So I think we have cinnamon and like icing. It's like a dessert fry. There's a, it's called Jamaican Me Crazy Fry. Uh, steak fries. What's the last one? What? Purgatory uh, fries. And I, I don't know if I can say the description of it. Probably not. They're hot. Let's just say that. So that's what we got going on. They're free, so you can do sample after, after access. They're going to be back in the cafe. Free fries, make sure you vote for which fry. Anyway, I'm off track now. So what that's going to look like, we're going to come to access on a Thursday night, and our first one is in dos semanas, two weeks. I speak a little Spanish for all of you out there. Five years in high school. Well, four years in... I didn't take... <laughs> I did not take five years of high school. I took one year in eighth grade and then four years in high school. Five years total of Spanish. Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I come, I'm a totally different person when I'm on the floor. This is totally weird. But as, um, oh, goodness gracious. So we'll come here. We're going to worship still because what, we, what I strongly believe, what we strongly believe is that worship is going to be at the core of what's going to be happening here at Access. It's not just about going out. It's about coming in. It's about connecting with the heart of God. It's about worshiping God and connecting with what he's doing in this room and then what he's going to be doing continuing out within your groups. So we're going to come connect with God in worship. We're going to connect with our groups. We're going to connect in prayer. Then we're going to go out starting at like 725 and we'll meet back here after about 45 minutes to an hour of being out at Big B, you might go to Cabela's. Maybe you just want some Froyo. So you're like, I'm going to go to Orange Leaf and we're just going to get uh, frozen yogurt. But at, when we're there, we're going to be really aware and um, attentive to what God is doing in, in Orange Leaf. We're not going to be weird about it. We're not going to be like the weird Christians who are going to come up to you and, and be weird. No, we're just going to be normal. We're just going to be normal Christians and really just love people. And the core of what we're going to be doing and the outreach nights is there's two things that the Bible talks about. It talks about 
seed planters, and it talks about waterers. It says God brings the harvest. So as we go out, the pressure, what God has said in that, in that, in that passage in the Bible is that the pressure is off of us. When we go out and we, and we step out outside of our comfort zone, God says the pressure is off you and it's on me. I want you to love and I want you to plant seeds and I want you to water. Don't ever strong arm anyone. Don't ever make someone do something they don't want to do. Only love, only serve people. And God says, I will bring the harvest. So when we go out, we're just going to love. We're going we're gonna to just be aware of what God is doing, what Holy Spirit is leading us to do in those moments. And if you're someone who says, I ain't doing it still. I ain't doing it. This is what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to come. And I encourage you just to go. And our leaders are, we're, we've, we're working with our leaders. We're communicating. We're not going to make anyone do anything. We're not going to make you talk to anyone out when we're out. We're not going to make you pray for anyone, but we just ask you to go and watch because what's going to happen is you're, your heart's going to start to soften and you're going to actually start to realize that you were created to do the same thing. But I ask you to do is just come and tag along. If you just want to stand in the background, you can do that. If you want to stand in the background and pray for the people who are, who are, who are in your group, do that. But I encourage you to come. What I believe is going to happen is our, our awareness and our, and our hunger and our thirst and our excitement for the people that we come in contact with is going to grow and it's going to grow. And God is actually going to start to renew and, and, and grow passion inside of us for the people of this world. Because Jesus did not die so that we could gather in church. He died so that the whole world, every single person would be saved and know him personally. And so we get, instead of having church. We get to be the church and we get to go and do it. And our expectations are high. And because we, we know that God, when we step out in faith, we know that God always comes through. So most of our leaders um, know, what's, know what's going on. Um, and you guys are all leaders, but just the people who, are, who have decided to, to take the reign. But what I want to do is I want to um, I want to pray for what the, for the the direction and the focus that we're going to have, and I want you to if please join with me in prayer, um, because we believe it's going to be a powerful thing. It's, it's going to be a transformational thing. Because how many of you know that when you actually, it's hard to build a relationship and, and friendship with someone without doing something with them. It's hard to build a friendship when you just come and sit at a table somewhat with someone, but it's, it's, it's much easier to build a friendship when you actually go out with someone and you have a really tough experience with them. And so that's part of the, the dynamic that's going to really enhance the relationships, enhance the, the community that we have here. And so that's what we're doing. And, and the premise of it is, is James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. There's another verse that says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So as, as we pray, just pray with me as we, as we move forward. God, I thank you. God, I just thank you for, for Jesus. And I thank you for For loving us. 
I thank you, God, for the, the, the family here at Access. I pray that you grow us closer together as you, as you grow us closer to you, God, and that our hearts would actually be soft towards the people in our city. Our hearts would be soft towards the people here at Access, and that we would start to, start to encourage and spur each other on and love works so that we can effectively show our city, God, show our city the love of God, show our city, show the people of our city that they're worth they're worth it. We can show the people of our city through small acts of kindness, through small words of encouragement, through a smile, God, that God loves them so much and he wants them and he's chasing after them. God, thank you for making it possible for us to be partakers and partners with you as we move forward. God, we love you and we thank you, God, for each person here, for the gifts, abilities, talents, and, and plan that you have for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to, I have a message I want to share with you tonight, and it's kind of related to our previous uh, four messages. Raise your hand if you were here for any of the series on roots. So we're going through the series of roots, and it's the idea of just root issues. How sin really isn't the problem, it's really the root issues that are causing sin. And I'm kind of going to tie it into it, but it's going to be a little bit of a different angle. Um, okay, I, I need to do this. It's totally not related to what I'm talking about right now. But um, two things. First thing... Um, because I, I don't want to forget it because it's really important. Um, first thing, during worship, I felt um, God lay something on my heart for a left foot or ankle um, that may be injured. It's like a left foot, left ankle. Um, is there anyone here who has a problem with their left foot, left ankle? Dylan, anyone else? Erica, Ryan? Um, so before we go into it, before we get into the word, I want, if you're at their table, or even if you're close by, we're just going to pray um, for, for all the foots and left ankles right now. We're just going to pray healing. So if you're near them, um, don't be weird, but God says, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. It's a promise. So God, we just pray right now, healing in Jesus' name over all the left ankles right now, God. And all, even the right feet and the right even if there's anyone with a, a problem in their right foot as well, God, we just pray healing in Jesus' name that all pain would leave. Holy Spirit, that you would administer the healing that's found in the name of Jesus right now. Pain would leave, swelling would leave. God, ligaments would come back into, into alignment, Jesus. It's because of what you've done, Jesus. It's because of your word that says, on earth as it is in heaven, God, that you came to show us the power and authority that we have in your name. So we come under that name and we pray it in your name. Amen. 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 How is it? Same? 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 Doesn't hurt as much? Doesn't hurt as much? Let's pray again one more time. God, we just pray healing in Jesus' name. Pain, you have no real estate in, in the left foot right now in Jesus' name. Pain, leave. Jesus, heal it right now. It's by your word. It's by your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let us know when it was later on, okay? We believe it. 
Last thing, I know we're doing a lot of praying and it's kind of sidetracked, but I think it's important. Um, right now there's a Granville graduation, if you didn't know, because there's like a thousand people in the parking lot and you're like, whoa, access is packed. And you're like, no, uh, no, 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 not really. Um, so there's literally 500, I went to Granville High School, there's 500 high schoolers right now. And what I wanted to do is all of us to pray for them right now, that they would actually feel the, the presence of God that's in this place right now. So God, will you, will you just pray with me right now? I know we're praying a lot, but that's okay, I guess. That's okay. God, we pray for the high schoolers right now, all the graduating seniors in the auditorium right now. We just pray peace over them right now in Jesus' name. God, that your power would overcome them and that Holy Spirit, you would even touch them right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for the future of those high schoolers, that they have a bright future, God, and you have a plan for each one of their lives. So we call out the destiny. We call out the future. We call out the God-given plan that you have for them, and we call it forth in Jesus' name. And we, th- we, we uh, bind any attack of the enemy that's over their lives, God, and they would be, they would be brought in by the love of God. We thank you, God, that you move inside their hearts even as we speak. You move inside their hearts as they walk through this building that they will remember the moment that they walked into Resurrection Life Church because of the power and presence of God that lives in this place. So we pray it and we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Let's go. So we're in the Root Series and... um, and there's something, um, so freedom. So as we talk about freedom, as we relate to freedom, and we relate to going through issues that we have or maybe pains that we have and dealing and bringing those to God and becoming free of them and, and being released of the weight of, of the pain and maybe of the, of the circumstances of our lives. It's important to know what we need to do once we have or once we've received freedom. Once we've received freedom, we must know what to do. Because if there's, there always has to be something beyond being freed of something. There has to be something beyond just letting go of something. It has to be something beyond. We actually have to receive something instead of just letting go of something. Because if we only receive something, we're letting ourselves, or, or, we'll be very vulnerable to having the very thing that we've, we're freed from to come back again. So if we actually don't receive what Jesus has for us and what God has for us, which is truth, if we don't receive that, then we're going to be vulnerable to the same attack in which we are just freed from. Does that make sense? And so what I want to do is I want to, um, is I want to talk to you today about passion. I want to talk to you about passion, about where your passion lies, about what you're passionate about. And mostly, I want to talk to you about the passion that we have for Jesus and for the kingdom of heaven. And I want to talk to you about the passion that we have and where it comes from. So I want to share a verse with you, Hebrews 12, verse 1. This is from the Living Bible. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience. Other translations say perseverance. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. I love this translation because it says, let us run the particular race. 
See, we all have passions, we all have desires, we all have unique gifts that God has given us, and sometimes I think we are running the wrong race. You know, my wife, Abby here, she just ran the Riverbank Run. And in the Riverbank Run, there are different races. There's a 25K, there's a 10K, there's a 5K. Even after all those races, there's, a, there's a, I think, a walk that you can actually walk your dog and bring your animals and walk in it. And then there's half marathons, not at the Riverbank Run, but there's different, all different races. Now, what would happen if you took someone who's running the 5K and you threw them in the 25K? They would be sprinting as hard as they can for the first five kilometers, and then they would slow down and burn out. And I think some of us are running the, I think some of us, now we're running the wrong race, but we don't know what race we're running. And so when we don't know the race that we're running, we're, we're eventually going to either burn out or run too, run too slow. And if you're running the 5K and you're, if you're running 5K and you think you're running the 25K, you'll be slow. You'll fall behind. Which race are we running what are the things in your heart that are passionate? What are the things in your life that, that you keep coming back to? And I know we, we, we talk about this a lot here because we're so passionate <laughs> about it. We believe it's so important. And I was, we were praying on Tuesday for Thursday night um, in our office, and this question came to my mind. And this question was this. How does God fit in to my life or my passion? And I heard, I, I heard it. When I say I heard it, I meant like I thought that thought as I was praying. So I wrote it down. And then as I was continuing moving through and praying and listening, I felt God say, give me a different question. And this question was, how does my passion fit into God's plan? So I think some of us are asking, how does... God fit into my plan? And the better question is, how does my plan or my passions fit into God's plan? Because he ultimately wants to use the things that we're passionate about in order to advance his kingdom. God doesn't want a bunch of people who work in a church. He wants nurses, he wants doctors, he wants businessmen, he wants teachers, he wants professors, he wants lawyers, he wants politicians. People of integrity who know God and who love God to rise up into places of influence in order to affect the culture and affect the nation that they live in. So as we run the race and as we figure out what race we're running, it says important, it's in Hebrews 12, it says in here, it says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And what I believe we were doing the last four weeks with Roots is we were going in and we were examining the things that were slowing us down and the things that were holding us back. But it's important to note here that when we, slow, when we get rid of the things that are slowing us down and the things that are holding us back, it's important that we keep running. The reason why we get freed and the reason why we take off the weight is so that we can run faster. The reason why we take off the weight and we actually start to examine and get freedom from unforgiveness, freedom from pain, freedom from depression, freedom from fear, the reason why we're going through those things is not so that we can say, yay, we're free. It's so that we can run and we can have a deeper passion for Jesus Christ. And we can actually live and become the people who God created us to be before the foundations of the earth. Because
Because what happens is when we get free, we're actually able to become the people. We're actually be able, we're able to become the person that we know we're supposed to be. The person that we know God wants to make us into. When we start to get those things out of our lives, there's a verse, Psalm 55 through 22. It says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. It says, cast your cares. Cast those things that are holding us down onto him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety, all your cares on him because he cares for you. So as we, as we let go and as we start to receive freedom and, and freedom, all freedom is, is connecting to God's heart. When we connect to the voice of God, when we connect to God's heart, freedom happens. So our goal is not just to help you guys get freedom on one night. Our goal is to introduce you to a process, introduce you to a person who you can connect with on your own so that freedom is a lifestyle. We need to get freedom every day from things. I have to get freedom every day from thought process and things that, that have just come from living in the world. So I don't want to teach you, we don't want to teach you just one thing. We want to teach you a process of how to relate to God, how to connect with God, how to ask God questions, how to hear his voice, and how to pursue him with passion. So what happens is when we just get freedom and we don't get anything in return, I said that wrong. What happens is when we just get healing of the things that we've dealt with the pain, the unforgiveness, the fear, the, the inner vows that we talked about last week. When we just get rid of those, it's like we're holding on to something like my mic here, like we're holding on to it and then we just let go. So now our hand is almost free to grab the next thing that comes in its direction. And so instead of holding on to those, maybe the pain or the unforgiveness, instead of holding on and letting go and just having it be free, we want to give and we want to allow you and we want to actually teach you how to actually hold on to truth. Because here's the reality. Luke 11 talks about it. It's kind of a scary verse, but I don't think it's that scary. <laughs> It can, it can seem like it, but when you really think about it, Luke 11, 24 through 26, it says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So it's this idea that we have to not just deal with the pain and, and, and those issues, but we have to actually have to receive something from God. We actually have to receive something from him. And the purpose of finding freedom is not to be swept clean. The purpose of freedom is for us not to have our life just clean. The purpose of freedom is for our life and our heart to be full of God, full of him full of his presence, full of his peace, full of his truth. So I want to spend the, the rest of my time here talking through the story of the 10 leopards. And it's more the 10 men who had leprosy, not 10 leopards. I've always were I was always confused with that. Like, why did they call it a leopard? Just confusing people. I was young and I was like, Jesus heals animals too. So here's a story of the 10 leopards, and I think it, 
it paints a, pic- a good picture of how we relate the freedom to the passion in the process. So Luke 17, 11. Now on his way, Jesus, to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on on us. Isn't it funny that that's somewhat of a picture of, of a lot of people today? Where we believe in Jesus, we love Jesus, but we just cry out to him in a loud voice and we don't actually come close to him. We're actually, we feel dirty and we feel, we feel diseased and we feel, we feel insecure and we feel unconfident. We feel discouraged. And so we just cry out to God in a, lo- in, a, in a loud voice. What does that look like? It might look like you go into a, a pastor. It might look like going to someone who's more spiritual and saying, can you pray for me? Because Jesus is just over there. He, he's just like, he's just too far away. And I'm not condemning anyone. I'm saying this is the beautiful part of Jesus. Because even when we feel we can't come close, he makes up the gap. He, he takes the gap. He takes the gap. As we keep reading, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So it's just a side note, interesting historical fact. So before Jesus came um, before Jesus was born and came to earth, there were, there were a, a high amount or a large amount of false messiahs. So they came claiming to be the Messiah and claiming to be the, the, the savior of Israel, but they actually weren't. And they actually, some of them actually um, performed signs. This is not found in the Bible. This is a found in historical writings from like Josephus and different historians. So there were many false messiahs. And so the priests and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, came up with a criteria that the Messiah had to meet in order to be considered the Messiah. Do you know what some of those things were? This, the, some of these things were raising the dead, healing a blind person, casting out demons, and healing a leopard, or healing a man with leprosy, or a person with leprosy. So as you look through the Bible, actually, you'll notice that when he heals a blind person, he says, he says, go to the Pharisees. And then he, he raises from the, go to the Pharisees. He casts out a demon, go to the Pharisees, go to the teachers of the law. He's not doing it to gloat. He's doing it to show them that he was the Messiah. And so the same is true here. When he, when the, the 10 men who are healed with leprosy, he says, go to the priests, go to the priests. And as they were leaving, they were healed. And the word cleansed here, the word cleansed is, is, is a word that actually means um, healed, but it's in a sense that their, their condition was healed. So they had leprosy. So that aspect of their human nature was healed. They no longer had leprosy, but they still might've had the effects of leprosy. So leprosy disease that makes limbs fall off um, of your body. So they might've had missing ears, missing nose, missing fingers. And so these people were, were, were cured of leprosy so they could still be, so now they were castaways or they had to be cast out of the society. So now they could be in society, but they still had missing limbs. That's that word cleansed. Verse 15, 
So the, so the 10 are going, to the, are going to the priests to tell them and show them that they were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And the word made you well or made well is a term in the Greek that actually, that actually means fully restored to the original condition. So he was cleansed at first, but then he came back to Jesus and all the effects of leprosy were gone. Nose, ears, fingers growing back. It was as if he never had leprosy. That's pretty cool. Jesus is pretty cool. <laughs> so what's the, what's the meaning? What's the, what's the connection here? What I believe the connection is a lot of us have been freed. A lot of us have been healed. God has saved us from, from so many things. He's gifted us with so many things. He's healed our hearts. He's healed our emotions. He's healed depression. He's healed. He's saved our souls. He's done so much for us. But we still might be living with the conditions that we had before we came to him and he healed us emotionally. We still might be dealing with some things. And this is what God is saying here. In the kingdom of heaven, when we approach God with thanksgiving, when we approach him with praise, when we come to him referring back to the things he's already done healing us, he says, I will make it as if it never ever happened. Isn't that a picture of our salvation? Isn't that a picture of what he's done with our sin? But it's more than that even, I believe. I believe it's even more than that. Not that that's, not, that's enough for all a lifetime, but I believe it's actually more involved with our physical lives, our emotions, our memories, our bodies. Some of us have done things, some of us regret things that we've done and we're still living with the consequences physically. And Jesus, what he's saying in this passage, what he's saying in this passage through the story with the man with leprosy is that if you will come and give thanks and give praise to me, if you will give thanks and praise to me for healing you and, and have genuine thanks, he says, I'm a God who will make you and make you as if you never, ever happened. I will make it as if it never happened. And what does that look like? Does it look like a genie in the bottle? No, God is not a genie in the bottle. He is not a, if you do this, then this will happen. But here he, he is one thing. He is, he honors his word and he honors those who genuinely worship him. When we stand before him and we say, thank you, God, for, for saving me from depression. God, I thank you, God, for saving me from hell. Thank you, God, for saving me. God, I thank you, God, for healing my body. I thank you, God, for healing my mind. I thank you, God, for giving me a new mind and a new thought process. God, I thank you for healing me. I thank you, God, for, for healing me from unforgiveness, saving me from all these things, saving me from fear. God, I thank you, God, for saving me from all of that. When we come to him in thanksgiving and worship, it's a supernatural thing that happens that he administers freedom to you. And the freedom that happens is not the removal of something, it's the presence of someone. John 8:32 says, "And you will know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. And so when we, we get, when we deal with our stuff, when we get healed, when we bring stuff to God and he heals it in a moment through his words, through his word, we're left with an open, we're left with an open heart. And that is the condition that we have for the truth of God to come in and make its home. And that's where the true freedom is. That's where the true freedom is found. So it opens the door for God to speak a promise into our heart. And the promises of God are found in his word. They're found in the Bible. And there are so many of them and they're so beautiful, but it's important that we don't just go and look up the list of promises, but we find a promise from God that he's speaking over us in a moment. Because God's very relational. He's very relational. He's very specific. And he wants to speak a promise over us that's found in the Bible that's directly related to what we're going through and what we've been freed from in that moment. So as we continue tonight and we relate it back to passion. So how does this all relate to passion? What I believe happens is, is when we get in that moment with God, he actually starts to give us passion. God is the most passionate person there is. You'll never meet a person more passionate than God. You'll never meet a person who's more relentless than God, more persistent, more zealous than God. So when in that moments of worship that we connect with God, he actually gives us his passion. He gives us his passion that motivates us because there's a lot of motivational speakers. There's a lot of people that can encourage you and motivate you, but here's the problem. When they're gone, what are you going to do? God is the greatest motivator. He is the greatest person of passion that the world has ever seen. He created it and it's love for us. It's love for humanity. It's love for each person. And I can't teach passion. I can't, we can't teach it. It only comes from God. It only comes from an encounter with God. It only comes from a moment of worship where we connect, where we get rid of the, the junk that we've had and we present it to God and he actually gives us the truth about the situation. So what I want to do, Joe, if you could, Joe, if you could hop up, Joe Brunson, in the back. Heathen. Just kidding. Take your time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Giving him a hard time. But the thing, one last thing I want to say about passion, about living with passion. I've talked to, uh, one of the questions I love to ask people when I'm sitting down on them is, what's your passion? And what I've found with, with some people, not all people, is that a lot of people's passion is, is, is founded on pain. I found that a lot of people's passion is really rooted in, in some sort of pain that they've had in the past. I was, I was sitting with a guy, I was sitting at Bigby and, and he, I asked him what his passion was and he, he was explaining to me how it was sports and so I tried to dig a little bit deeper and come to find out the only reason why he liked sports was because it allowed him to connect with people and the reason why he liked it, that he was passionate about it because it allowed him to connect with people was because he was never able to have friends as a kid. He never had friends. And so the passion that he had was actually based 
on pain that he had as a kid. So he's living his life out of passion, but it's passion based on pain. So every time he's in his passion, it reminds him of his pain. I have another guy who I asked him, well, what's your passion? And he said, I just really love like competition. Like I just love competition. Anything that's doing with competition, I just love it. And I said, why do you think that is? So we dig deeper and deeper and deeper and he, and he continues to tell me that and kind of open up and say, is because my, my dad and he'd only ever be happy with me when I won. And so I have this passion, I have this pain in my life, but it's actually motivating my passion and my whole life was revolved around this idea of competing but not really realizing it's because of the pain that I've had. And what I believe Jesus wants to do is he doesn't want to ignore your pain. He doesn't want to ignore our pain. What he wants to do is he wants to replace the pain with a promise. And what he wants to do is he actually wants to not, I'm not saying that those people have to change their passion, but I'm saying is they have to change their foundation and what it's built on. Because God actually wants to give a word. He wants to give the truth about why you're passionate about that instead of the pain, the promise. Because a, a passion founded on a promise is sustainable. Passion with a foundation of pain is painful. So what I want to do, we want to take a few moments here and we just want to, um, I want to allow you to actually do a couple things. One I want you to do is like, just like the, the, the story of the leprosy. Is I want you to go back because God has healed us of so much, hasn't he? He's done so much for us. And I want you to go back and I want you to start thanking God and praising him on your own, in your own way. Praising him for everything he's done and everything he's healed you of. And I want you to start to thank him and praise him. And just like the story in, in, in Luke here, it says that as they were praising him, Jesus says, Luke 17, or actually it's Luke 11. No, it's not. It's Luke 17. Lo siento. There's another Spanish word for you. He said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. God is going to make us well. As we worship and praise him, it's not a genie in the bottle, but it is a promise from God. That as we worship him and praise him for what he's done and what he's healed us of, he wants to administer a new level of truth and a new level of healing and a new level of freedom that's founded on truth, not on pain. So Joe's just going to be playing here. And I just want you, I really encourage you just to worship God and praise and thank him for everything he's done in your life, everything he's healed you of. And maybe there's one thing that sticks out. And as that one thing sticks out, just continue to praise about that one thing. And as you're, as you're thinking about it, ask God, what else do you want to show me about this? What, what's the next level that you want to bring me to? And maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I, I don't really have anything I can think of to be thankful for. I don't have anything to praise God and worship him for. I'm pretty down. As you get in that posture, I would like you to ask him this question. God, how do you see me? If you're that person, how do you see me? And just listen to that first thought that comes to your mind. And God always speaks life. He always speaks encouragement. And he always speaks the truth and love. 
So as, as Joe plays, I encourage you to take time on your own just for a few minutes here and just give thanks to God and praise him for the things that he's brought you out of.